For Truth with a Texas Twain, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff we women store away in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, Luke 2.19. We want to thank Home Instead, our sponsor for this episode. Home Instead Senior Care provides trustworthy, kind-hearted senior home care services in your loved one's home. All caregivers are thoroughly screened, extensively trained, professional, and reliable. At Home Instead, it's about providing the highest quality home care services to fit you and your family's needs. Today, I am so happy. You know, I love I love honoring men in a culture that tends to not give men, men the credit they deserve. And so I was really excited when Chris Legg said he would join me today and talk about fatherhood. It makes me really happy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to welcome Chris. Chris, are you there? I am here. I am here. Very good to be on the show. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to give a little bit of your bio for this one because you're going to tell your story in this episode. So I got to... Okay. I got a wonderful bio from you, and then you're going to tell the story, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. But you are the you have a pri- you're a professional counselor. You have a private practice in Tyler, Texas, with Alethea Family Counseling Center, which makes you a tent maker because he is also Chris is also the lead pastor at South Spring Baptist Church, and even his background, all that leads up to that, is going to be fun to hear about. So I have a couple more things. He's been married since 1993, and this is a quote, to the most amazing woman, which I have to say, she is pretty amazing. And they have yes, five, yeah, they have fr- five great kids, and I liked, I wanted just to quote you on a couple of things, and okay. one, of them, one of them is, this is a quote by Chris Legg, the ministry of the church is not something done by, not done to members, but done by by members, by us. Yep. And then he also says, I am passionate about the role of the church, about the role the church could be playing in the lives of marriages, families, and the role of men. Our society yep. has little to offer us as fathers, sons, and husbands, so the church needs to step up, and we can. So with that in mind, Chris, I mean, there's just so many directions we could take this, but I thought we'd start. <laughs> I know you can't hardly tell your story in in uh, 30 minutes, but what I want to do is remind you and, and tell my listeners, I've had the opportunity to watch you from a distance for so many years now because I remember when you were a young leader years ago at Pine Cove Christian Camps. Right. So I don't yep, know if yep. you, you want to start with your childhood. Like what made you be this? Like you did not get to the pastorate in the most – 
straight line, okay? You kind of oh, took the curve you out. Yeah, so tell yeah, us a no, little bit about your childhood and begin there. And I don't even know where Absolutely. you grew up. Well, I grew up in Nacogdoches, Texas, here in East Texas. And so um, out in the woods, I mean, that's where I spent my childhood. I was uh, kind of Tom Sawyer, and my best friend was kind of Huck Finn, even though we'd never read those books as kids. But, but um, it was just a great, it was a great place to grow up. I, I was... So being a pastor was never part of the plan. I mean, that was 10 years ago. You couldn't have sold me the job um, by any means. But I love where I am now. And I don't know if that's a career path. It might be that if I ever wasn't at South Spring, I don't know that I would go back to being a pastor someplace else or not. That I am loving these people, loving this place. Um, but God's calling on me has never really been job title or mm. location. It's always been a, um, early on at 14, two important things happened when I was 14. One was uh, hearing a pastor use the phrase um, that Jesus comforted the afflicted Aww. and afflicted the comfortable. <laughs> and um, when I heard that phrase, it, it, I mean, I don't remember a lot that I learned when I was 14. That phrase stuck with me, and I knew immediately that was going to be a big part of who I was and what I did. And I love also that. I started listening to the – go ahead. Go ahead. Was it? Well, I was going to say, let's give him credit. Do you remember the name of that pastor? I have no clue. No, if I knew, <laughs> I would certainly say his name. I have okay. no idea. It was a traveling evangelist. Wow. And uh, I don't have any memory whatsoever of anything else that went. But um, And then um, also I was listening to the radio show – for James Dobson every night, which I know is not a normal thing for a 14-year-old, but I would do that. And I was so impressed by how well he understood me when he would talk about adolescent issues, even though he'd never met me. And so I thought, I want to understand people the way he does. And Mm -hmm. so that's um, when I started the thought of going into the psychological world. Um, I have a younger sister, parents who are still married, have been now 51 years, I guess. And, uh, um, and so that's, we certainly had our challenges and stuff as a family growing up, but, uh, but a lot of consistency, a dad who was a forestry professor at SFA. And so I grew up again out in the woods and um, all important stuff. Um, and so then uh, as I, at 19, had a um, conversation with a Baptist student ministries director at college and on a bus and said, you know, I think someday I think maybe I'd want to do some student ministry. And he said, someday, how about next week? And so (laughs) he uh, he said he always had churches bugging him for student minister ideas. And so at 19 years old, I became the student minister at um, First Baptist Church of Crockett, Texas. And uh, I would literally, there was a kid in the youth group who was also 19. Um, And so I had to grow a Mustache. That's when I grew, I grew facial hair at that age, so the people could tell who was the youth minister versus uh, who were the youth. And so um, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no training, no mentoring, no nothing. Um, wow. The church I had, the first church I had grown up in until fourteen was um, pretty pretty dry church. Not great for a kid. I didn't grow up loving church, and uh, even though there were some key people um, who were. A huge blessing to me, some Sunday school teachers and others who taught me to love the stories of the Bible and to um, love the people who could lead and teach me well. And so I did that. Um, that was great. But 
Then at 14, we switched over to a church that had actually had young people in it, and that became <laughs> yeah. powerful in its own way, and uh, which was great. Um, then, so at 19, I hear I was a youth student minister, a youth minister, and had a youth come visit my office in the middle of the night, because um, I was up there late one night, because a uh, single guy, 19 years old, what else are they going to be doing? But Right. And the youth always came through my window. They'd always come in my window rather than oh, that's uh, hilarious. my door. And so he came in the window and said, uh, man, I saw your light on. I was on my way to go kill myself. <gasps> and I no. saw, your light, saw your light on, so I thought I'd stop. And I, at that moment, was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. No kidding. And so that, was, that reaffirmed my, you know what, there are a lot of youth ministers, but what we need is someone who could come alongside youth ministers and help them deal with situations like this. Well, and so that reaffirmed my calling there. Ministry is... Um it's a it's a lifestyle and a process. It's not really a title. I mean, I know there we have titles for that, but it is also organic. Um, oh, yeah. I was I was going to ask you. You were married in 1993, so this was before the this was the early 90s or late 80s when that happened. And there's there was virtually nothing out there on mental health no. at that time. There was no there was no internet for me to go to. There was no one for me to call. I mean, the only thing I could have done at that stage would have been to try to call Focus on the Family, and of course, it was midnight. But wow. Um, and so uh, there was not much for me to do, and so I just talked with him, which, you know, fortunately at the time was enough to keep him alive. Um, so I mean, obviously God's provision there for that young man. But then there Can- was the um, go ahead. I want to interrupt because I don't want to miss a chance. Please Since do. the topic of suicide has come up, I want any listening friends to know if you are facing that in your own family, if mental health is an issue for you or your children, we have some great podcasts on that at Fireside Talk Radio. My friend Doug McSwain and his daughter Marcy McSwain came on the show. And so there is yep. more information out there now than there was when Chris was dealing with this a million years ago. So please right. go to those podcasts and listen to them, Doug is an expert on this topic and he gave such great valid understanding of what families go through. So please turn yes. to that for information. Okay. So you I were going to tell I'll us. I'll that. Yes. Yeah. Go listen to Doug's. I also at South Springs website at southspring.org. Yeah. There's yes. uh, I did last year, I did a sermon on suicide on oh. the biblical perspective of suicide. Um, and so that's actually, if you go to South Spring and go to the talks, you can find that as well as another resource for, um, but, but again, that's a great example of at the church where I am now, a lot of churches wouldn't tolerate a sermon on suicide. Um, but South spring is, gives me a lot of room to experiment and try stuff. And obviously as a therapist, um, I have some, some stuff there, but you definitely, if that's an issue for you at all, especially if you're a parent of someone with mental illness, um, uh, the McSwain's have a great, I mean, a great, yeah. tragic, but but still very redemptive story to share. So I love the um, way they're, people. they're taking their sorrow. You mentioned affliction earlier. They're taking their own affliction and comforting others. Chris, That's you right. do that so well. We only have about a minute left, so I want to be sure that I say out loud to anybody that might be listening, South Spring does have an extensive set of things you can listen to, sermons that Chris has done. And one thing I love about you, Chris, you are so great at bringing people into the conversation who have a different perspective than yours. So uh-huh. I know I know that anything you teach will be backed up by that gigantic wall of 
books you have in your office that is just like all the Biden <laughs> chew books. I think you have every one of them on your shelf. But on top of your scholarly perspective, you have this ability to welcome others. So I just want to mention that and say southspring.com. Is that correct? Because we have, we're down to 30 org. seconds. Dot org. Dot org. Okay. Southspring.org. Okay, stay with us now, folks. We're going to be back, and Chris is going to tell us a little bit more about his transition from a young student leader to this godly man who is able to hear other people's perspectives and really offer comfort to everyone who comes his way and and enlists his beautiful family to help him. So. Don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio, so stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. You ought to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door in the next house over is a grocery store. here with Mary Ottman and I asked her to tell you about Water to Thrive. Water to Thrive builds wells and changes lives for people living in rural villages in Africa. Waterborne illnesses have killed more people than all of the armed conflicts combined since World War II. In fact, 5,000 children under the age of five die each day from waterborne diseases. Since 2008, Water to Thrive has built 750 wells, benefiting 400,000 people. You can make a difference by donating at www.watertothrive.org. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu? Whenever. It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. Oh, miles and miles of Texas. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Welcome back. We're talking to Chris Legg, and he's an amazing human being that I just admire and have enjoyed watching him grow into this beautiful ministry he has now. 
Um, Chris, you were telling us a little bit about how you got to the place where you are, but one thing I don't want to forget to mention is not everybody has parents that have been married 51 years, and not everybody marries a marvelous, amazing woman like Ginger. So talk to us a little bit. If, if we have people who are young and they're listening and they're single, maybe they're single because they've been through a divorce, talk to us a little bit about how your life developed and, and how you made the good choices you did. That's great. Um, a couple of quick notes there are, and I'll comment more on this, but also my website, chrismleg.com, M is in Michael, chrismleg.com. There's numerous articles about some of the stuff that we're talking about. And then back to the South Spring one, this topic of finding the right person and being the right person, um, which is really mostly about being the right person and not so much about finding the right person, but yeah. is um, uh, the the uh, series that I preached last Christmas time on Ruth and Boaz, I consider Ruth and Boaz to be the Bible's guide to romance. So anyway, just a <laughs> side note there, I don't want to stick there, but the um, uh, I would say... So 19 is actually soon after that is when Ginger and I met um, when I was still a youth minister there at Crockett and, um, and started pursuing her. And she and I met two or three times, didn't even know it, um, that we had oh. met. Like one time we hadn't even been face-to-face. It was just in a phone call. And, uh, but she, um, the, what was very quickly apparent to me and what was very, very important to me from early on, aside from the fact that she's, you know, all the other things that I would list, um, uh, beautiful and, and fun and adventurous and all that kind of stuff. Mainly the thing that jumped out of me immediately was I knew I was going to get to spend the rest of my life with this person. And so they better be a really good friend mm. and they better be good at having friends mm. and good. And, and I need to be good at being and having a friend. And I think that's one of the areas of marriage that people neglect a lot is, um, they're not very good neighbors to their spouse. Um, even if we just took the teachings of Jesus about being a good neighbor, we apply it to our neighbors or, or you know, to starving kids in Africa, but we don't apply it in our own homes. And so we're not very good neighbors. We're not very good friends um, to our spouses. And it's hard for anything else, lover, partner, parent, any of that kind of stuff to grow unless you have that friendship that is in some ways maybe the only eternal relationship that humans have is friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all corporate you know, job-based type stuff, that ends. All authority-based stuff, that ends. Um, all of it ends. But friendship is eternal. And so um, I think there's a, a really powerful message. So this was someone who I enjoyed the time with them. Um, I enjoyed um, and them enjoying me. I enjoyed those different and getting to know them well and, and having interesting conversations with them and and, and looking at how they related to not just me, I mean, she was falling in love with me. Of course, she's going to be mm-hmm. nice to me, but how she engages with other people and how she talked about her family and how she talked about her friends. And like, those are huge signs for me was, did she treat other people with respect? Mm. That's probably a good indication because see, love, trust, respect, all those things are things we give. They can't be earned. And so if I respect you, that says something about me, it doesn't say anything about you. You saying that you respect me, that doesn't say anything about me. It says something about you and what you respect and how you respect and that you do respect people. You being respectful to me is about you, um, not really about me. And so that's something we miss very often. 
I think it's interesting how many times I hear people, of course, I'm a word person, so I'm real sensitive to the use of words. People often use that word respect, and they don't actually have the same definition about it that I would have. One way people use it is they want to, they want people to be afraid or in awe of them because of their might or their ability to hurt. And they'll right. say, you know, they'll say, I want that person to respect me, so I'm going to do this damaging thing. And I think to myself, that's a different definition of respect. I know you're that's using right. it the way I would. That you By be- definition, if I make you respect me, it's not respect. Yeah, By definition. Exactly. Yeah, it cannot exactly. be respect if I force it. It may be humoring. You may be faking respect. You may be counterfeiting respect, but it's not respect. Well, Ginger is super respectful. Um, she's a great friend. She's a great listener. Um, she loves to share. So it's, it's really, for us, getting married was mostly about getting to live and sleep with our best friend very quickly. And it just feels that way still. And so when we continue to live out life together. And of course, once you start having kids, I mean, they're little psychological vampires. I mean, they suck all the extra energy (laughs) out of you. And so being intentional about finding ways to love with the limited resources that you have left after you've Mm -hmm. taken care of kids, it's like learning to live on the money you have left after you've paid all your bills, especially your tag learning to exactly. Yeah. Thank you. The, um, uh, Learning to love each other well with the few things you have is important. And then, and then of course, as I built the, the career and started doing counseling and now at Aletheia, we have 13, 14 therapists now at Aletheia, and I'm, wow. I'm only there one day a week. I'm at the church full-time, and the church is doing great. But, um, and so this is a few years ago. Um, we then were challenged. Um, we had three kids the old-fashioned way, mm. and then we were really challenged as a family to adopt. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we started looking into that process and we started, um, look at doing that. And there's really, I'm going to publish an article soon. Why as a man, I adopted why men don't adopt is very different from why women don't. Um, and so I'm going to really publish something and, and a, a soon about that topic because it's a tough one, um, for men, especially very often women want to adopt and women and men don't. Yes, and women don't understand why. And um, again, I'll explain that in the article. I know um, you have a busy lifestyle. My, I could hear your puppy yes. in the background. I'm really yeah, surprised. So, so my so, family just came out of the house, and so I've got dogs and kids, and all just coming around. So and just so my listeners a, know, he he is such a busy man. He just gotten in from a trip, so he drove and parked his car and jumped out to be on this interview today. Yeah, Chris. Hey guys. Wow. Here's my little ones right here I was just talking about. So these are the two yeah. that I've got right here. I've got, I've got uh, little Michael and little Emma. And they, um, uh, we adopted them, uh, Michael, about six, uh, six, seven years ago, and Emma about five to six years ago. And uh, You think your quiver's full yet? It got quiet. We may have lost Chris. I know he has a full and busy life. I cannot wait to Sorry, hear. Sorry, I'm here. I'm oh, here. You are? Oh, good. Sorry, not sure what happened there. Um, uh, it happened. It's no, probably somebody. Yeah, I, well, somebody, somebody hugged me, and my guess is they hit a button on the phone perfect. Uh, when they did. <laughs> well, I'm excited, I'm excited about your, uh, you know, I just interviewed uh, several people. In fact, I'm doing a whole bunch of Father's Day stuff coming up. And one of the guys was uh, Tony Johnson, who gave 
he gave answers to all my reasons for not mentoring and especially oh, for good. men. Yeah. And he even, he, I cannot wait for this article to come out. He even ta- told me some really practical stuff about ways men can mentor girls by just, by just teaming up with another woman who's mentoring a girl. And he, he talked so yeah. much about that. It was really a beautiful interview. I can't wait to get it out there. But I'm also well, looking forward to your your topic of why men don't adopt. That, that'll that be fascinating, and I'll learn something in that, I know. Because I don't, I don't have any idea the answer to that question. So yeah. to me, it makes perfect sense. But I know it's not I – know, I know there's reasons – and just like I had questions about mentoring, people have questions about adopting. And you and yep. your family are such a beautiful, y'all are like the poster child for way, reasons to go for it. Yep. Well, Absolutely. so my question that you didn't get to answer, I'm going to put you back on the spot. Do you think your okay. quiver's full yet? I um, I don't know. Here's the So it, both Michael and Emma, you know, when you adopt, especially as we did through the foster system, yeah. Um, you're going to face challenges. Michael was born ten weeks premature, and so he's got sensory processing issues, and they both they both got ch- you know attachment challenges, and that's just part part of yeah. the uh, whole thing. And so for us, we're just starting to experience now. They're at five and seven. We're starting to experience the um, uh, a little bit more margin in that psychological energy I was talking about earlier. And so yeah. we we have just started the conversation as to. You know, we've also got a 19-year-old, and so, you know, do we have enough of a window to say, or you know, or if we get a, if we get another baby, are we now going to be stepping on his grand on our grandkids' time someday? And so, we're talking about it. I don't know if it is or not. I am proud. I am a proud man at the gates, though. Um, if, if this is where we are, then I am very, very. I am. These are my kids, and I am well pleased for sure. They're awesome. Well, let me ask you this. We have about three minutes or maybe two even now. It's gone so fast, Chris. I love getting your story out there. Your family's so beautiful to me. I want to know if you had just one or two things that you could just shout out to people. You have about two minutes to tell me something okay. important. Oh, wow. Just anything at all, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, to the, the pastor, uh, I'm saying that like that's not easy. <laughs> let me, since we were talking about it, let me make a couple of comments on the adoption question. Okay. Um, since we were right there, and that's on my mind. One is, it's, it's, I don't know the statistics anymore. I'm a little outdated now. But there is a point at which if one family in every six evangelical churches, one family in every six churches, just evangelical churches, I know there's plenty of others out there, but just the evangelical ones were to adopt a child, we would adopt all the children in America that need to be adopted. And so it's, it's stunning the... And, and the effect that I think that would have on the abortion industry, yes. if mothers knew, there's a line of awesome families just waiting to adopt my child. I think that would help us fight the greatest, you know, one of the greatest scourges any culture's ever seen, not only on our children, but on our women. I mean, the true right. war on women is mostly about abortion and pornography. And so the, it's just such a dark thing. And so it would be, we could probably... So foster kids, a huge percentage of them end up in the prison system within a year after graduating out of the foster system. Mm. There's a good chance that the church could almost, could close down probably half the prisons in America if we would start taking in foster kids and loving them extremely well, um, that we would probably have a true, and if you're talking about, you know, someone out there is political. 15 seconds. You know, and, I hate it. I hate to end this. Then, 
Uh, that's okay, but it would be huge. It would be huge. Well, I want to just so thank you so thing. much for ending on those beautiful, positive thoughts. That's so constructive. It's something we can all pray about and think about and even do for some of us. Thank you for joining me today on Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio with Chris Legg today. Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, fellas. Got in.